How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Catapulting Commissions family, welcome back to this episode. If you didn't hear the previous episode, be sure to go back, rewind, and listen. Kate Dixon, compensation expert. In the previous show, we discussed how does a company structure and create a compensation plan that is going to help with sales professionals, that's going to help retain your sales team. Kate is an expert in that, has worked with massive organizations, and be sure to listen to the episode. She delivers so much value. Today's show, we are going to pick up this conversation, and Kate is going to talk to us about how do we negotiate for a higher compensation plan? How do we negotiate to make more money, make more commissionable dollars? As always, be sure to click subscribe, leave your comments. Let's jump back in the show. Now, let's switch gears here a little bit. So uh, we just spent some time discussing sales compensation for companies from a company standpoint, how to set up a comp plan, what we're looking to accomplish, the objectives, et cetera. But let's switch gears here. You also help coach and consult professionals who are looking to negotiate their personal salary, their overall mm-hmm. compensation. Yep. Let's, let's talk sales professionals. What does that first step look like to negotiate? You know, I got a job with XYZ companies offering me a salary and, and a variable comp. I'm not really content with the salary. I'm not content with the variable comp. How do we start those discussions? What do those discussions look like? Are the days of just firing off saying, you know, hey, I'd offer you 60 grand. You know, I'm not going to take this job for a salary less than 70 or less than 80. Uh, are, the, are those days still relevant or is there a, a new strategy, a new tactic? Well, um, I would, you know, with my clients, I always kind of back things up quite a bit. Um, so I, I, the first thing that you need to do when you're negotiating your salary is to be really clear about what it is that you want. So not everybody, um, and not every sales rep is going to want the same thing. You know, some people are really, um, they, they want to, you know, maximize their income and that's, that's the thing that matters. They want the, the, you know, no caps. They want to be able to really blow out their um, commissions. That's the most important to them. Some other folks may want to really have a good balance between a nice, rich comp package and um, not working a thousand hours a day. Right. Um, So, you know, vacation can be important to people, you know, um, working with particular types of clients may be a, a big driver for them, but get clear. That's the number one thing. Get clear on what it is that you want um, from your relationship with your employer. And it doesn't have to all be about um, pay stuff, but um, but you're going to want to, you know, kind of get clear about what you want from a pay perspective as well. And I always um, encourage people to kind of have a, um, a minimum viable offer um, concept in their head, right? So in order for me to, to make a move or to accept this first job, I really need to know what it is that is my floor that I just will not take the job without. And, and this is something, you know, those two things are really um, 
so important that I really recommend people do them before they even start looking for a job or as they're starting their job search. So, you know, getting clear about what you want and getting clear about what the minimum acceptable is. Those are two really important things. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that clarity in what I want, what what does my life look like? We talk compensation, but I also know that I consistently tell sales professionals, you can have all the compensation in the world, but if the quality of life that you're living isn't matching your expectations, you could pay someone a half a million dollars a year to sell pencils, but if they have to be on the road 365 days, they may not have a quality of life that they want. So I think clarity is key. And then the minimum offer... It's funny because I've been on both sides of the salary negotiation. I've had a minimum offer in my mind, and I'm trying to extract most above it. And I've also been on the other side of the offer table where I've offered a job, and I know I have a ceiling, and I'm trying to make that match in that middle. When, when, when you're crafting your minimum offer to your clients, is there research in that market? Are you trying to get competitive with what that market industry may be? Uh, Pharmaceutical reps have a certain income. Medical device reps have a certain income. Software reps, enterprise sales, entry-level sales, they all have different metrics. So how much research and how does someone research what is a valid offer? Because I feel the one, one thing that has happened to me is I've offered a candidate a job and she counter-offered with a very large demanding um, counteroffer, so much so that it, it put me off for a second where I was like, two things. You haven't done your research as well as I thought you had. And now I'm not sure if I want to hire you, but I just extended a verbal offer. So there was this moment of, of doubt. So how do people research what is a viable, uh, respectable salary to offer a sales professional or total compensation? Well, um, so if you're inside a company, um, and, and you're a sales leader, your, your um, compensation professionals can be great partners for this. Um, and you can make sure that, um, you know, if you sit down with them and say, hey, look, these are the um, companies that we're recruiting from. These are the people we're losing people to. Um, this is the, you know, type of sale that happens. I want to make sure that, you know, we've got things uh, set straight from a market perspective, that's that's great because they'll have great data for you to look at. Um, if you're a candidate, on the other hand, the good news for you is that people are talking a lot more about pay than they used to. So um, so you can, um, there, there are tons of online sources that you can go to to kind of get a sense. Um, there are, you know, forums uh, for sales people that you can go on and people will talk about you know, what's normal and, and things like that. Talk to your friends. And if you don't feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really targeting um, 90 base pay and, you know, uh, 40 uh, commission target, um, you know, does that sound right? You can, uh, you know, give them a range. Say, hey, you know, my research is showing that um, jobs like this are paid between 80 and 100 in base and then, you know, uh, 30 to 40 percent um, commission target on top of that is, you know, is, does that range sound normal to you? And, and chances are really good that they'll be like, oh, that's awesome. Or, wow, that's really kind of low for what I've experienced or 
oh my gosh, you're super high. <laughs> you know? So I, I think, you know, having those conversations, doing your online research is really important. Um, and, uh, you know, you may be in a, in a position where you're really at the top of your game and it doesn't matter what they offer you. You know what you need to get. And if they're not in in the same range as you, it's not a match. Um, and a lot of times this will happen because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not about how, how valuable you are as a person. It's about how the company values that role. And there's not a whole lot you can do to influence how the company views the role. Um, and if it's not, if it's not matching up, if you're really far apart, you know, that's, that's a concern and it's okay. It's okay that, that it's not a match and you want to find that out earlier rather than later. Ab- absolutely. I think the earlier, the better. And in negotiation, clarity is everything, right? You, you want to be really clear. You want to have transparency if you're on the other side of the negotiating table. So I, I definitely think uh, having this discussion earlier is better than later. Now, in the world of salary negotiation, there's two types. In, in, in my experience, there's two types of salary negotiations. One, if I offer a job to someone, there's that salary negotiation. Two, we have someone who's been with the company, who's per, uh, performed consistently, has hit quota year in, year out. And all of a sudden, you know, I don't want to say all of a sudden, but now they're facing a dilemma where, hey, I should be making more money. So let's, let's discuss the first one, then we'll, we'll dive in the second one. When is it appropriate, specifically appropriate in the recruiting interviewing process to bring up that salary expectations? Do you start your interview off by, you know, the, the whole recruiting process? Hey, I'm not interested in the job unless I can make this. Or you go all the way through the process and at the end you spring, hey, well, I'll take this job only if I can make this amount. When is the appropriate time? That's such a great question. So um, there are a couple of things that I, I would say. I, I work with a lot of executive recruiters and internal recruiters and do you know talks with them as well. Um, and my understanding from them is they try to nail that kind of in the ballpark conversation pretty early in the con- in, in the um, interview process because you know it doesn't make sense. Um, if you're not in the ballpark to waste everybody's time and get to the end and go, oh, wow, it's like a complete disconnect. That's not okay. Now, you know, what's interesting is in California in Oregon and a lot of states, it's not legal to ask people what they, you, you know, what their historical pay has been, right? So it's, it's just, you, you can't ask that. What, what leaders can ask or HR people, recruiters can ask is, what are your salary expectations? And I would expect that to come up, you know, again, maybe not in the first um, time that you talk, but probably in the second. Um, The first one is, hey, is this person even, you know, going to match our needs? Um, Once that's figured out, then um, you typically will get that question. So, you know, you got to be prepared um, to either state up front what you want. Um, or if you don't feel comfortable, say something like, Hey, without knowing more about, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the total rewards package and the incentive plan, um, it's really hard for me to target, but, um, if you can kind of let me know the broad brushes, I can let you know if we're in the same ballpark or not. And I think that's totally okay to say that. And, and recruiters are going to be fine with that. Um, and I think too, that, that 
having that conversation is powerful up front. Um, and it's also something you can come back to if things aren't really the way that you thought they were, if this is really a bigger job um, and, you know, they, they offered you 90 and it's, you know, when you look at it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a much bigger job than we were talking about. You can revisit it. Now, based on what I know, I'm, you know, the, my market research says that jobs like this are paid between 100 and 120 uh, plus a 40% uh, commission. Um, how close can we get to that, right? So those are the, the kinds of things that I, I'm looking at. Um, so um, on the opposite side, tell me again the question that you had from the- Yeah, absolutely. So- Is it internal? Internal, right? So I have been with the company, let's just say four years, five years, whatever the number, we'll pick any arbitrary number. I have performed well, I have hit commission. I've, I mean, I've hit quota, I've made great commission. However- I now have a value to a company that probably deserves a few more dollars to be paid. Mm-hmm. How do I negotiate that? How do I go to my upper management, my management, my leaders and say, hey, I have a $90,000 salary. Honestly, at this point, my value, I should be bringing in 110, 120, 115, 100, whatever the number may be. Um, and typically, I have found that those conversations start when other companies start trying to recruit saying, hey, you did such a great job for XYZ company here. I'm gonna give you a little bit more money. Come to, you know, ABC company. We're gonna pay more. How do you have those, how do you start those discussions? How do you negotiate? How do you bring that up to sales leadership, to sales management, to HR folks, et cetera? Well, um, I love how you put it because this is exactly what I coach my clients to do is really um, talk about your value, right? Um, Come with a list of, you know, of your achievements, how you've impacted the organization. You know, again, um, it's like a great sales, right? Sales conversation that you're having. It's really um, not about you. I want more money. It's about them understanding your value, right? And and by starting with um, you know, here's the impact that I've had, you know, here's, here are the new clients that I brought in, brought in from the last three years. Um, I love this company. It's, it, I, I feel like it can do even more and, um, I'm targeting, you know, 110, whatever it is, you know, and, and this is also a great place to bring in that, that little phrase, you know, based on my research, jobs like this are paid between X and Y in the marketplace, I'm targeting Z. How close can we get to that, right? So again, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be telling you anything new from a sales perspective, but um, but I think it's so hard to get a little emotional distance when we're asking for more money, especially of, of the people who've been paying us in the past. I would absolutely agree with that emotional distance you just mentioned, because when you are negotiating to get more money, typically you know, it's a, it's a me problem, not a you problem, right? This is something that's affecting me. And so, because this is something that's uh, impacting my personal life, it's very easy for me to get uh, emotional, you know, start to think that this is all lights shining on me. I should be getting this. I should be getting this. But what you said prior to that, bringing a list of achievements, you know, it seems simple to say, but I have been on opposite. I've been on, I've been on both sides. I've been on the side where someone comes to me asking for more money. And it's a very, it's very, here's what I have done. 
here's my impact. And, and while I can acknowledge and agree, I can't take your theory to the compensation committee. I can't take your theory to the CEO because I can't say, hey, Kate did this, this, and this. She really helped negotiate this deal. These are all theories. But when you bring out a list of achievements, and as a sales professional, it's typically easy to quantify your impact to a company. And you say, here's what I have done thus far. I would like to get closer to this metric Help, how can we meet in the middle? So I think that that is really, really good insight on listing your achievements, emotionally disconnecting, because at the end, you said it earlier, it's a sale. It is 100% a sales conversation. And even though I would say majority of the audience is sales professionals, doesn't mean we're always good at selling things that are emotionally invested to us. So I, I like that. So if you're bringing this to, um, you know, you're bringing this negotiation, is there a strategy for making it happen? Meaning, is there a, hey, I bring this up, if it happens, great. Or do you teach coach clients say, hey, you know what, if I don't get this, I'm going to leave. It's almost like that threatening demand. Like if I don't get this, I'm going to leave. Is that something we that is being taught? Is that something people come up with? And if so, how effective or ineffective is that strategy? I, I think it's a great question because um, I think people are, are right now into that kind of, you know, do this for me or I'm going to walk kind of a situation. And, um, and that puts, it, it puts that threat emotion into the person you're negotiating with. And what I found with, um, with salary negotiations, yes, it's a sale, but it's a collaborative sale, right? So I'm going to get more if I convince the um, hiring manager or the recruiter that, um, that I can be a value and service to them um, and that I am a great collaborator, I'm a team player and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I love the collaborative concept here, and um, and and I, you can be collaborative and still be firm, um, because you know. I, and I I will um, do a little word smithing of something that you said. You know, how can we meet in the middle? Um, I even though that may be the emotion that you want to bring, I would encourage people to say, you know, how you know, set out a target that you want. Uh, you know, I'm targeting 110, 120. Um, how close can we get to that, right? So you're not saying, well, you know, I'm at 100 and I wanted to get to 110. Let's meet in the middle. Okay, that's going to be 105. That's a 5% increase. That's awesome. Don't, you know, that good for you. And, um, you know, just from a psychological perspective, um, when you're anchoring them to that 110 um, to 120, uh, that is a psychological, you know, it's, it's not really a mind game, but but you're tying them to a bigger number, right? Than uh, let's meet in the middle, which is 105. I think that's great, and and I would I will re recall my phrase because I think your phrase is way better. So uh, if you didn't hear that, catapulting commissions family, listen closely, right? So if you're <laughs> saying I want to get to 120 thousand or 110 thousand dollars, and you're currently at 100, I had just said, hey, how do we meet in the middle? Bad strategy. Kate said, how close can we get to 110? Is that kind of kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. perfect? You may only get 105 out of that, but again, you're you're 
you're probably going to get more than you would if you said meat in the middle. I couldn't agree with you more. And I like that. You're going to shoot for the top, ask for that top. So in that salary negotiation, you're going to go ask for it. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. Is it ever appropriate to ask for more variable compensation dollars? So, you know, there's there's comp plans that, you know, I have found in, in, in my own research, in my own experience, the the higher paying compensation sales jobs that are paying $200,000 and above, $300,000 and above, you're finding sales professionals, they're not having $200,000 salaries, right? They're having 80,000, 100,000, 60,000, 120, but they're making two, three, $400,000 in variable comp. Mm-hmm. Some companies now are starting to limit that variable comp saying, yep. yes, you can make great money. I will give you an $80,000 salary and I'm going to cap your income at $200,000. Mm-hmm. How do we negotiate if you're in that boat? I think it's a challenge because um, that stuff tends to be more of um, a policy kind of thing. So, you know, again, if you're in a big, big company, um, you may not have the opportunity to um, push against the policy as much as you would like, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't ask for it um, because you, you may be the fourth person who asked for it and you're the cam the the straw that broke the camel's back right so so ask for what you what you need and what you um feel like you deserve and see what happens there's there's no harm in asking there's only harm in being a jerk about it you know um and and again you know this collaboration don't take it personally um and you know, be firm, but be nice. Those all will help you um, get more of what you want. And that's why you're a great salesperson, right? Uh, Because you have kind of that DNA in you. So my guess is that, um, that salespeople are probably more effective at some of these things than a lot of my clients who've never understood any of the concepts of, you know, really helping the, the person that you're negotiating with understand your value and all that kind of jazz. You know, what you're saying there about salespeople is so true because a sales professional, you're paid on your ability to influence a decision-making process. People make decisions in sales for one of two reasons. One of those reasons is to avoid pain If I can present my product in a manner that causes you, the buyer, to avoid pain, you're more likely to purchase my product. So if I'm in that salary negotiation and I have had people who've done the collaborative, whether um, they've, they've come to me and say, hey, will you support me in this? Here is my value to the company. If I leave, what's that pain? And I look and I'm like, man, for you to leave, the turnover is twice the amount, 10 times the amount of the raise that you're asking. Yes. Yes, Kate, I'm going to be in your corner. I'm going to also fight for you because 
I know the pain for me to replace you is so great and so mad and so large. So I think that that's a really good point you mentioned that in salary negotiation, it is a collaborative deal. You are selling, you're selling yourself, you're selling the the value you bring. And for those of you listening right now, remember, people make decisions to purchase a product or service or a salary negotiation on the psychology of sales. And one of those fundamental principles is, can people avoid pain? And the other one is, can people enjoy pleasure? So if you can avoid pain and you can teach someone how to avoid pain, they will uh, more likely join you on that decision-making process. Now, I want to switch gears here uh, in a new, a new conversation. Not a new conversation, but uh, a conversation that's actually taking place today. The startups that exist are growing exponentially. Um, you know, we, you're based in Oregon. I'm based in Southern California. I, 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 we, before we, recording, we, we started recording, I made the joke, right? I have talent that I try to retain, but there's Silicon Valley, South Silicon Beach. You go further, you get, you know, you go into the world of Oracle, Nike. I mean, it's just, there's startup companies everywhere that are trying to attract and recruit talented sales professionals, people that have existing relationships in said industry, have a proven track record of success. Yeah. If I'm one of those people, and, and let's just say, uh, you know, I, I've, been in, I've been in medical sales for, uh, or yeah, medical sales for eight years, eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. Someone comes to me and says, hey, I have this new shiny medical device and it looks great. It's fantastic. It's going to change the world. I want you to come work. And I look at you, I'm like, hey, you are on month 13 of operation. Yeah. I, I'm a little nervous. I have to be honest with you, right? There's, you know, I, I don't want to knock my entrepreneurs down, but you know, majority of the entrepreneurs that start, majority of the companies that start fail. So there is that risk. How do I negotiate? It, let's say I am willing to take that risk. I do want to move to a startup because they are offering this such a shiny, attractive opportunity. What are some of the negotiating things that a person can make, request, or ask for when dealing with the startup not dealing with these large conglomerate Fortune 500 companies that, you know, to change comp plans is going to take 40 signatures. I, I want to, hey, you're a startup, you're, the, you're two layers, one layer. Sometimes you are the CEO. What are some of those, those keys that we can negotiate for? Well, I think um, the, the biggest um, opportunity is inequity. Um, but you also have to remember that's the riskiest part. So, um, you know, if... If the company winds up selling to um, another company or they go IPO, which is pretty rare, of course, um, you know, you could make some serious cash. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I would really encourage your listeners to do, too, is make sure that they are not depending on that equity um, to, like, make a living because you, you won't be able to exercise the equity for a long time, right? And and what the tendency is for startups, because I do uh, a fair amount of consulting with them, is that they, it's like, you know, we'll give you a ton of equity and we'll give you a very small salary. Um, it, you know, you need to make sure that you're getting um, a salary that is large enough to make an impact and a commission structure that um, makes sense. And it's going to be tough because, you know, when you're starting with a startup, they are not profitable yet. And, but they also need 
exceptional salespeople in order to get to that profitability. So I get, I think this is a place where you can really um, express your value in, in a deep and meaningful way that people who are not sales professionals, they, they, you know, we all know we need you, but we don't always know why. So, um, so I think that's one of the things that, that you can do, but, but don't, don't settle, you know, for nothing um, because that equity, while it could be spectacularly valuable, it could also be worth nothing too. So you have to protect yourself. And, you know, again, one of my biggest things that I would advise people whenever they're negotiating their salary um, with a new company, especially, is make sure you understand what it is that you're being offered, right? What are the conditions? What happens to that equity if the company gets sold to another company? What, you know, how is your commission capped or is it? Um, what happens if you have a windfall or a waterfall situation? Those are all really important things to know. And I think it's even more important at startups. I, you hit the nail on the head. That equity is very attractive. And, and I know so that um, you know, I, I have colleagues that recruit and work at startups and they're very like, Hey, I can give you this equity. I can give you this many shares as a sign on bonus. I can, and you know, you look at the shares, you're like, Hey, I'm gonna give you 30,000 shares as a sign on bonus. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Vested in four years. And you know, the stock price is a dollar and let's say the stock doesn't do well. And the stock price is now 30 cents in four years. This is, this isn't the sign on bonus, but they sell the dream. Yeah. Hey, yeah. This these this thirty thousand shares, you know, it's it's thirty thousand dollars today, but it can be three million when we sell, and it could, and so people jump and, and go and get excited on that. And and I had a guest uh, a few episodes back. If you're listening, go back to the episode with Robert Gonzalez, and he talks about his experience working at Truemaker, uh, a high end clothing company that was purchased a few years ago as a startup, was the 11th employee, talks about the whole experience. I think there's some value in, in working in startups and learning to negotiate that. But when you are in a position where your salary, your compensation is your way of life, I think it's fair for us to say we have to look at the big picture before we leave and take that risk. Because it is a risk to work for a startup. Now, they're fun. They're exciting. Some work, some don't. But when you leave some of these safety nets, there is a risk. And, uh, you know, I'm not one to bash either side of the, of the argument. I'm, I'm a really, I have a high tolerance for risk personally. So uh, I know what I've been willing to risk in my life and what I haven't been. I mean, whatever works for you is going to work great for you. So, so Kate, if someone finds themselves in a position where it's time for me to negotiate salary or I think I need professional help. Maybe I've been working with a company. I, I don't know. I don't exactly know what uh, a salary negotiation coach does, but hey, I need one. I, I, I want to do that. What does that process look like to start working with you? Um, well, you uh, drop me a note um, and my email is on all over my website or you can connect with me through LinkedIn um, and let me know you're interested. And then um, we'll set up a, a a clarity call to make sure that you know what you want and make sure that I can help you with what you're trying to do. Um, and then um, we'll see if it makes sense for us to work together. And, and that's how that works. It's pretty, pretty simple. Fantastic, Kate. I really, I really appreciate you keeping it simple, right? We talk about things being simple and working simpler 
effectively not making things more difficult. So you definitely kept that simple for us. Um, now, as we're concluding our two-part show here, for those of you that are just joining or, or have just listened to this episode, be sure to tune into the previous episode with Kate Dixon as we talk about compensation from a company standpoint, building an entire structure. Kate, what is your website? What's the best social media to, to, for people to find you? And just a side note, if you're uh, listening to the show or watching the YouTube video or anything, these uh, links will be in the notes or the sections below. Um, so my website is katedixon.org. It's K-A-T-E-D-I-X-O-N. Uh, and that's my website. Um, and then LinkedIn, I'm Kate Dixon Coach. So pretty easy to find me. Um, and if you Google salary negotiation coach, um, I'm one of the only en entries that'll come up for you. So perfect. I appreciate that. And up until recently, Kate, I didn't know a salary negotiation coach existed, but I can tell you this there is a demand and a need for your services. Catapults and Commissions family, we talk week in, week out, how to grow your business, how to generate higher revenue, how to make more commissions. One of the most strategic fundamental ways to do so is in a compensation uh, negotiation. That is ground one. Kate Dixon's with us today. She'll help you walk through that. Be sure to check her out at katedixon.org. Again, I am Anthony Garcia. Thank you for joining us on the Catapulting Commission Show. Kate, we love your uh, presence. We love the energy you share with us. We look forward to seeing you back on the show again a couple years down the road and see what has changed. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, Catapult and Commissions family, I will see you next week. Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P. Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions. <laughs>